Hello and welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a Half. How's it going, babe? I'm doing pretty good. Got a question for you. What's that? What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child? What did I want to be when I grew up? Mm-hmm. I want, there were several things. <laughs> you do have, <laughs> honestly, you're multi-talented. I can well, see you. you wanting to go in any direction. Yeah. I think there was a moment I wanted to be, I think like a lot of kids, I wanted to be a baseball player. Okay. Um, you could have done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a comic book artist. Mm-hmm. That was really the biggest one for a long time. For I long would, time. I think of all the things that I, I also wanted to be a set designer. <laughs> yeah. I remember which I think is a little bit what I do with my job doing scenic stuff for mm-hmm. corporate, corporate like shows and stuff. I really wanted to do theater, okay, like theater. design the sets that are used in plays and musicals. You'd be so good at that. Yeah. Things that can flip around and be something else. Oh, you'd be so good at that. So I'm kind of doing, I'm doing artsy kind of stuff. Yeah. In the job I have, but what did you want to be? Um, I mean, I don't re- honestly remember a time that I didn't want to be a hairdresser. I really, I do. I don't remember that, but I, I think as a young child, I probably because I showed quarter horses, I could have easily said I would like to grow up to like be a trainer or something like that. But obviously, I didn't stay in that. Yeah. And then I also really liked choreography, which I don't know. It's always stuck with me. You know, I still do some of that today. So. So right now, what would you want to be? Oh, my goodness. A race car driver. A race car driver? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to, here's a very simple thing. I just want to own a food truck. Yeah. 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 You are like that. Well, I pulled up a couple of articles and they're pretty similar on like what kids want to be when they grow up. So I'm going to give you just a quick top 10. Okay. So number 10, singer, musician. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine, writer. Okay, I could do the writing, the singing. That's not like nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. Uh, number eight, an athlete. Okay, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Number seven, a doctor. Never wanted to do that. I didn't really either. No, it's no, a little that was never kind of <laughs> Number six is surprising. What? Ballerina. What? <laughs> You're asking children. Yeah. And tutus are big right now. So, number five. <laughs> okay, hold on. Tutus are big right now, really? Yes, girls okay. make them out of their little tool. Like they make the little ones this, that they tie around their wrist. Okay. Did not know that. Huge deal. Okay. Uh, number five, a chef. And that mm-hmm. is kind of up and coming. I actually have like a handful of clients. By a handful, I mean like three, which is a lot of clients that either are chefs yeah. or are going to school to be a chef. Okay. Which, did you have friends growing up there going to chef school? No, they worked at McDonald's and Jack and Box. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that is, I can see that's kind of up and coming. Are you a chef at McDonald's? You're not really a chef, are you? You know, probably, right. <laughs> no, you know, probably why that's true is because of all the food shows. Oh, yeah, like we didn't Netflix. Have those. And, yeah, we didn't have yeah. those when we were young. So everybody wants to be the nor- the next Gordon Ramsay. It's more glamorized now. Right. Number four, a firefighter. Never mm-hmm. wanted to do that. No? No. No. Number three, astronaut. Okay. Okay. I definitely, I would do that right now. You would do that right now. Yeah. Number two, an actor. And number one, a teacher. Teacher, really? I know. Okay, you would think astronaut would be at the top of all that. Yes, well, yeah. it should be, especially considering our guest today today is Nicole Stott. She's amazing. She is one of 600 people that have been in space. She has done a Not, space Okay, walk. I, I want to clarify this mm-hmm. a little bit. 
600, one of 600 people in the history of mankind, not right. just like people that are hanging right. out now. Yeah. In the history of mankind, she's one of 600 people that have been in space. Yes. Oh yeah. Gosh. She talks about what they eat up there. She even like tried to paint up there. She was successfully painted up there. You're going to love this interview. You're going to learn so much. Please enjoy this interview with Nicole Stott. Nicole yeah. Scott, thank you so much for joining Hardy Party of Five and a Half. What a perfect time to talk to you with the SpaceX thing that just happened, which we watched, by the way. So yeah. we'll talk about that. Good. Sorry for the discombobulation. Of oh, no, no. Plan. We that was happening. We're like, we got to go watch that. Yeah, so. we were... And then it didn't happen that day. So yeah, yeah right. right. That's okay. That's okay. We were happy that you alerted us to the fact that it was happening so we could tune in on that. So cool. Um, I'm a hairdresser and I know a lot of like kids like always want to play hairdresser, but surely... The next thing is doctors and astronauts, like as, you know, occupation when you're a little kid. So how did you decide you wanted to become an astronaut? Wow. I think long path to it. Um, I'll try not to make the story as long as the path was maybe, but uh, I mean, I grew up, I watched the first moon landing, right? With I have vivid memory of that. Uh, and thankfully my family shared that with me. I'm very thankful to have parents that shared what they loved with me. I think that's a huge deal. And I think even at six or seven, you realize that's a really extraordinary thing. Like, oh my gosh, people are, you know, we walked outside and looked and you're like, oh my gosh, people are walking on the moon. <laughs> Pretty wild to think about it. Yeah. But it was a long time before I even thought at all about astronaut being, you know, even a possibility. And this is from somebody who grew up loving flying. I mean, my dad built and flew small airplanes. So we were out at the airport all the time as kids. I developed a love of flying, wanting to know how things fly, went off to school to study how airplanes fly. And while I was there, I'm like, man, and I went to school right up the street from the Kennedy Space Center okay. in Daytona. So I'm like, man, if you want to know how airplanes fly, why would you not want to know how rocket ships fly? And it all just kind of went from there. <laughs> And I was very fortunate to have a job at the Kennedy Space Center working on the space shuttle and then later on the space station parts and getting all of that ready to fly to space, which meant you're also getting it ready for astronauts to fly it to space. And so you're seeing astronauts come through. And I finally got a glimpse. I'm like, and it took me a while. I'm a little bit slow because I've been watching this for a while. And I'm like, man, you know, astronauts, 99.9% .9 of their job is not flying in space it's down here on earth mm, yeah. and a lot of that was a lot like what I was already doing as a NASA engineer and so I'm like you know the little light bulb went off well maybe I can at least consider it yeah because up to that point too I was like even as I was seeing them like oh my you know I had this like superhuman um you know impression in my mind of who they were and what their experience was and I'm like man that's for other special people. You know, why would they ever pick me? I haven't done anything near as, you know, impressive as what any of these people have done. Right. And um, thankfully had a couple of mentors that encouraged me to pick up the pen and fill out the application. I mean, the one thing I had control of in the whole process and I am so thankful to them. I, I really, to this day, love to tell people, man, there are, and you guys know it, I'm sure. There are, there are people out there that know more about us and our abilities and what 
we have to offer than we may know ourselves. When someone's looking on the outside, they can see it easier than the person that's in the middle of it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. We can, we, we have a, I, well, I don't want to say that. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I hope it's, I, I always hope it's not true in others, this kind of ability to say no to ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, to yeah. take ourselves out of the possibility of something yeah. and man we got to do at least that one thing right that puts us in the running so yeah. very thankful for that yeah. <laughs> yeah. so once you get accepted is is it like a two-year training period for astronauts is that yeah the yeah i mean you get accepted you leave the job you had before right you yeah. know so you think about i think about this picture of my astronaut class and this group of people who all came together somewhere along the way figured out oh i want to fill fill out that application, all these different pathways to it. And every single one of us had to essentially leave what we were doing before to come work for NASA. I mean, I was already working for NASA, go work for another group, but you know, we had medical doctors and oceanographers and geophysicists and fighter pilots that they all left what they were doing to come to NASA. Yeah. And then as an employee of NASA and your, um, considered an astronaut candidate at that point. And, yeah. and what the, you know, the ass can is what, you know, what you're considered. <laughs> and uh, in a nice way, it's AS. And yeah. so, <laughs> so it is, it's about, I mean, you come in with the understanding that it's about two years of basic training, I guess, learning all about the systems on the yeah. different vehicles you might fly, the science, the people and organizations. Mm -hmm. And all of that and, and how to do the basics of, you know, like how to do a spacewalk, how to do fly in the robotic arm or, you know, working inside the space station as a crew and those kinds of things. And, and then at some point you get the hands waved over you, you know, thou art an astronaut, even if you haven't flown in space yet, you like transition from this ASCAN category to mm -hmm. astronaut. And we all kind of look at each other like, wow, you know, shouldn't you have to fly in space first yeah. <laughs> before you get that? And so, but they do distinguish, like at that point you get a silver astronaut pin. And then once you've flown in space, they award you with the gold astronaut pin, which means you're a big A astronaut, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. And then you never know. I mean, it's kind of a mystery what it, what the timing is going to be for being actually assigned to a space flight. Yeah. And for our class, which was, gosh, it seems so long ago, um, which was 23 years ago, you know, back yeah. in the year 2000, uh, we were told it would probably be five to six years before we got our first flight okay. assignment. And sadly that turned into nine to 10 years and not because, mm -hmm. not because it just took longer, but because sadly we had the Columbia, the space shuttle Columbia accident in mm -hmm. 2003. And then that just pushed, everything. I mean, we weren't flying for a few years and that just pushed everything yeah. um, out. And so, yeah. Okay. A I'm a rambler, questions. you guys. Yeah. I'm a rambler. No, that's great. How, okay. How many people start out as little ass cans turn into big ass cans? How many do the same people number of people go in the program that end up two years later, pretty much? Or is there pretty like much? It's it is actually it's a it's a pretty rare thing for somebody um to not you know graduate from ass can yeah. to little astronaut, right? And, and then to go on to become the big A astronaut. It, okay. it's, NASA does a really good job with the selection along, along the way. You yeah. know, you're, they're investing a lot in you. 
So they want to have some assurance before they even bring you in that, that there's going to be success there. Um, and then for those who haven't, there've been, uh, and it really, I mean, I'm having to struggle to think about, (laughs) you know, I mean, the one or two, I mean, there's either personal reasons or career reasons. I mean, there's some legitimate reason why that doesn't happen. And it's not necessarily because NASA says, no, that, no, we don't want you. Ultimately you have this bond with this small group of people that you have really like life with. I mean, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So I kind of I have a follow up that's kind of fun and then like a more serious. <laughs> when you were talking about the training and you mentioned the arm, I thought of spies like us with yeah. Roy and the Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd, I think, and their face <laughs> like melted to the. Is that the way yeah. you all had to do that? What was that? Well, like? we, we do the centrifuge training. Um, yeah. And, you know, all of us are worried about not looking good, right? Like that. that look. <laughs> um, the. We do some for space shuttle training. They, they, you have the opportunity. Now, as a crew, you don't have to do it, right? But your commander decides, are you going to do it? I think every f- crew does it. But you go do this um, centrifuge. You know, it's one of those vehicles that kind of spins you around to give you that yeah. simulation of um, the force you'll feel launching. Oof. And you go through the whole kind of trajectory of launch. And on the space shuttle... Um, that the the g force or the amount of force on you was limited to three g so three times the force of normal gravity yeah and um and so uh and when you're launching so remember you know how normally you know you're like driving along in a car this way but or on an airplane on the runway but to launch we rotate vertical right mm-hmm. so basically you're laying on your back when you get ready to launch and so the fortunate thing about that, and, and there's many, but the one is that that G-force, that loading goes through your chest instead of down through your head, like it would if you were pulling G's in an airplane. It's much more difficult to manage the G's, you know, when it's on your body and stuff, if it's coming through your head like that way, but through your chest, it's, it's a little bit easier. Doesn't mean it doesn't feel like three of you aren't sitting on top of you, you know, right? That three times it's going to make you feel like you weigh three times as much as you do, and um, so um, it's not it's not quite as bad. And like I said, shuttle limits to three on launch and landing, (laughs) unless you get into some, you know, some off nominal thing that um, could could potentially have you loaded up more. Um, So not so bad. You go through that whole profile. Um, but we do, you know, we train in um, Russia too, over at Star City. Um, the Soyuz is one of the spacecraft that all of the partners fly on. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they put you through some mandatory centrifuge training. And then they load you up to what you might see if you went through mm-hmm. one of the off nominal landings. And so that's like eight or nine Gs. And so now imagine you've got like eight of you sitting on top of you, yeah. right? So you do have to really kind of consciously think about, okay, I need to, I need to breathe properly. I need to be thinking, you know, really breathe properly. If I start to see my vision kind of coming in and, um, but it's amazing what we, and I don't know if I ever saw the pictures of <laughs> what I look like, you know, if that was Chevy Chase or Dan or, um, you know, the guys like Clint Eastwood and company in, um, uh, and what space cowboys. yeah space cowboys they do a funny one too and um yeah i'm sure it wasn't you know yeah all that attractive but you know and, you that's a joke. Space, not about the glamour yeah. <laughs> it's not about the glamour 
it's not about know. the glamour. Listen, I've ridden mission mission space at uh, Disney World. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to do anything that you're talking about. Yeah. So, you know what? Do not let that be the gauge of whether um, whether you could fly to space or not. I I I did that one too, and it's it's kind of fun, but it doesn't. It's not what it's, it's like. It's not the same. Yeah. Special. It's just, yeah. It, its sole purpose is to make you sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did all the, it's all centrifuge based and it's rough. And yeah. Okay. Well, that's so, good. No, that's encouraging. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So you yeah. mentioned the Columbia and I'm just, I'm trying to imagine that whole scenario. What are your feelings after that happened? And because you mentioned not many astronauts most astronaut astronauts finish and they do a mission and all that so after something like that happens what's the reaction that you have and how do you keep going mm -hmm. after something like that happens yeah and i mean you know i i'm i was in college when challenger happened too you know i had family members that were working out at the space center and so had a kind of a connection to that um you know then having worked at the space center for so many years knowing the people that honestly believe like in their heart that the care and feeding of those spacecraft is their responsibility. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, I mean, it's a risky thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's a dangerous thing to do. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it, the, you know, getting in my car and driving to the, you know, to the Starbucks down the street, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but you know, just yeah, down yeah. the road, I mean, I'm putting myself at risk in the vehicle every day. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's a, you know, it's, it's a risky thing. Um, I think we go into it understanding that risk and understanding the people that are working on it, trying our best to understand the, uh, the philosophy of how the program is operated and whether we should feel comfortable based on that, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, strapping into the vehicle. Um, and then, and with all of those things, I don't know, the training we do, um, I think we feel like as much as is humanly possible, I mean, both of those accidents, Challenger Columbia, were not anything that the crew could have done anything about, right? Mm -hmm. But um, in the scheme of things where there is the, the, we feel like as much as is humanly possible, we'll be able to deal with it. Yeah. But the question is interesting because um, for Columbia, especially, I knew all those people, right? Oh, and yeah. so there's a, there's this like, oh my gosh, those are friends. Those are, you know, like you would if you lost a family member, right? But you know, all those people looking down us now, they're like, you better get this back going. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you better like make sure that, that our loss is yeah. not the cause of a shutdown, but is the cause of figuring out the problem and, and moving on, yeah, right? A little bit of a charge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it does, it does raise the other serious question of like fear. Like, mm -hmm. you know, are you afraid when you go launch? Are you, when yeah. you're in space, is there like a fear of what might happen? And I think it's more, it's, it, it, again, it's the respect, the awareness of all, you know, but feeling like you're trained to be able to deal with that. Mm. The fear is for your family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, as I was strapped in at the launch pad, I'm like, okay, understand what's going on here. There's about to be 7 million pounds of exploding rocket stuff underneath me. That's going to get me off this launch pad and into space <laughs> and floating and, you know, going to this place where I'm going to do I mean, I don't think you do it just for that adventure part, right? Yeah. You do it yeah. because you believe, I hope everybody does it for this. You believe that 
the work we're going to do there. I mean, it's ultimately all about improving life on earth. So you're anxious to see what it's going to feel like and stuff. And at the same time, there's this other part of your brain that's like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what my family is feeling like as they watch me do this. It is so much more difficult to watch somebody strap in to a rocket than it is to be the person strapping in, you know? And then in space, you know, to be afraid of something happening to them down here and you can't get to them. Like what every parent fears everywhere, right? Yeah, when they send their kid to college. (laughs) Yeah. It's that training that you mentioned. You feel like you have a little more control and the family has no training and no control. Right. So, yeah. And you you speak of family. Tell us about the wave across the ditch. That was something that hit me when I read your book (laughs) right before you go up and get into Yeah. Yeah, there's, I don't know if you can see here. I'm going to grab it real quick. Hang on a sec. Okay. (laughs) So this is a picture of the second um, one of those. This is, actually, this might not be wave across the dish. This might be where your family can come out and, oh, it's a blur to me. It might all be part of the same thing. (laughs) But my first launch was a night launch. And so the night before they, yeah, I think that was wave across the ditch thing. Yeah. And um, it's just of my son who's this, so this was the, the, you know, like doing the little pin yeah, thing, and thing but he's holding yeah. up the space shuttle. It's so yeah. cool. <laughs> that's and um, yeah, so that was, that's uh yeah, that's first one. And yeah. so, um, but we had multiple waves across the ditch cause we delayed a couple times. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such, it's such a, um, it's a really emotional thing um, to do that because at that point it's really close to launch. It's like the day or two before you are in quarantine, so you can't technically like really engage with the people that are there for you other than to be at yeah. this distance across the road, you know, waving at them, talking to them and stuff. Um, but I'm so thankful for it. Mm-hmm. You know, just that kind of look in the real eyes. And my son, my husband, your immediate family, like if they're of the proper age, 12 or over, um, they can see you while you're in quarantine. Yeah. So I got to see my husband several times while we were, you know, in Florida in quarantine, but I couldn't see my son for either launches. He was seven on my first flight, nine on the second flight. So there's no like oh, wow. physical, right. Yeah. And, um, so to be out there, like in the presence, uh, yeah. of, of him and of my, you know, close friends and family, it's a really it's yeah. a really special human thing, right? Yeah. That NASA even, you know, that's been going on forever, right? Yeah. As humans with human spaceflight. Yeah. And to just incorporate those kinds of things into the whole space tech, right. you know, launching process, acknowledging the human in human spaceflight, I think is really important. And I did both times I broke the law and, um, you know, I had something to give to my son, like just reached across the line and grabbed hand real quick and, yeah. you know, ex- gave it to him. But um, I didn't go full blown, didn't jump yeah. over the rope and, you know, or anything, uh, but. Um, how long are you in quarantine before your flight? Uh, it's n- normally, it's about about two weeks total. We oh, okay. start in quarantine, yeah, uh, in Houston before we come to Florida. And then it's about, mm-hmm. you know, it's about that final week um, before launch in Florida. And it's all with proper, I mean, the purpose is great. You know, you don't want to get sick and not be able to fly or get your crewmates sick or bring, you know, ickiness to the space station. You don't want to do it. So it makes total sense. But, um, 
So the night yeah. before a flight, do you sleep much? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I did. I, yeah. I you're restless like you would okay. be for, yeah. for anything. Um, but I think you also are like, man, so I think a lot of the restlessness is like, man, I want to get a good night's sleep, you know, but you're like yes, wired, exactly. wired about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, thankfully you get out to the launch pad pretty early ahead okay. of launch. And How's that day once look? you can get all snuggled in, uh -huh. you can actually chill a little bit and, um, you know, nap a little if you want before yeah. the countdown really gets going. So you wake up, you have breakfast with the people, they take, they take you out there together. You kind yeah. Of yeah. So, yeah. So you wake up as a crew and you generally, so you've sleep shifted for whatever time launch will be. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's, and they do that in quarantine too. They have this really great system of lighting <laughs> and preventing you from seeing outside when it's day when it's supposed yeah. to be night for you and <laughs> amazing how quickly that can discombobulate your your whole yeah senses. Sure. if you just catch that glimpse of you know of launch uh, yeah. or of light before you're supposed to um, right. see it and um yeah you all get up together you go have breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever it might be yeah. that your timing is and they have a cake. There's like a tradition of cutting this cake oh. and um, with, you know, with the people that work at crew quarters kind of surrounding you and stuff. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah. And, and then you all get suited up together in the suit room. <laughs> and for us, that's getting into those, was getting into those orange suits. And yeah. Yeah. there's a whole kind of traditional um, walk out ceremony kind of wave and, um, and again, your family is, for us, your family was someplace completely different watching from the launch control center. And now, um, I don't know if you followed along with like the, the SpaceX crewed launches that they're flying for NASA. They have, they walk out of the building where they've gotten suited up and their family is right there. Oh, wow. That's like cool. Is right there at, you know, right behind this line. You can't, you're not supposed to be hugging or doing anything like that, but they're watching you get into the vehicles to go. Wow. out to the launch pad they're grabbing that little you know that hand kind of thing but they're yeah. right they're right there and um you know on the one hand I'm like oh man that's fantastic and then on the other hand and I'm thinking about the, the family side of it man that's just got to be I don't know it's got to be really tough to um and you got the cameras on you and you know they were all like it's you're you're the center of attention right with your family right there but um, I wow. think it's, I think it's a nice thing. I think well, it's a nice that's thing. so much pressure. Yeah. You have, you've gone through all this training, but <laughs> that's the physical training part, but then you've got the mental training and then mm -hmm. you've got the, all of the nation is watching training and like how to, how to, you know, conduct yourself. <laughs> I don't know if we get a whole lot of that, but yeah. I think you just feel like, okay, just pretend <laughs> just like somebody's watching you somewhere, you yeah, know, you have and, the awareness that yeah. people are watching this and they'll watch yeah. it for years to come. Yeah. So. So cool. So, so you get locked in, off you go. And now yeah. you're looking at earth. What is that like? Wow. That's, I mean, there's so many of things, these, these things are like these overwhelming, impressive, beautiful, you know, like overload of like sensory kinds of stuff going on. And, um, I think the, I mean, the very first time I was just, it was when I was floating up out of my seat on the space shuttle after we'd gotten to orbit. And, um, I don't remember. I, mean, I don't remember where we were flying over. It was day. I mean, I do remember like seeing earth 
during the daytime, but was it ocean? Was it land? I mean, yeah, a little bit overwhelmed with that. It was beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, glowing, beautiful, all those colors, you know, you know, earth to be. And I think the first thing that, that kind of crossed my mind as I floated up though, was like, okay, I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> That's a good thing. We made it. You yeah. know, we made it, yeah. you know, just the kind of the surrealness of being in this really extraordinary place. And, and then to have this, like this view out the window to go along with it. Wow. Yeah. And it was there every day. You know, it was like, there was a little bit of that, like, oh my gosh, wow. every day of being in that place. Yeah. yeah. Because aren't you like, aren't there, there've only been like maybe 600 people that have actually been in space. Yeah. So out of the billions of people that have lived, you're like one of 600 people. So that's just yeah. crazy to think. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. And it's funny, I don't, I don't tend to think about it too much unless we have <laughs> these kinds of conversations. Yeah. And, and then it's like, okay, it's not just 600, 600 people out of the people that are alive right now 600 people out of the people that have ever lived yeah out of mankind yeah, yeah. like oh my god yeah. yeah. it's pretty wild it's yes. pretty wild I and mean, it makes me so happy to think about that yeah. growing right. like more people yeah, yeah. having the opportunity to experience that even on these suborbital flights as we're building up the capability i mean you know you think about blue origin with the suborbital flights right mm -hmm. um and you know, guys like Jeff Bezos, they get all this grief about being these billionaires that are spending all their money going to space. You know, why aren't they spending their billions down here to, you know, solve the problems here on earth? But guess what? They are. Yeah. <laughs> in, right. addition to, in addition to the going to space stuff, which, oh, by the way, is all about improving life on earth. Yeah. And all those suborbital flights, they're like these little baby steps to getting to the bigger vehicles, to getting to the point where we can have millions of people living off earth as yeah. well mm -hmm. and lifting all of the industrial stuff off the planet into the benign environment of space, yeah. generating all our electricity from the sun, but through space-based, uh -huh. you know, solar power versus having to do all the stuff we're doing down here to to make that happen, providing that free, sustainable energy. I mean, it won't be free. We can never yeah. say that, but, you know, providing that energy to everyone on the planet. I mean, I, I look at it and then even for five minutes, these folks that are going and flying, spending their money to do one of these suborbital flights and have literally like five minutes in front of that window, not five months, five yeah. minutes. Yeah. And it is, it's a life-changing thing and I think what it does is it, it really should help us open our hearts and minds to the awe and wonder that's around us every day just right here on the planet too yeah. right yeah. man somebody can go for five minutes look out a window at the earth from space and be awestruck that way we I mean we need to open our hearts and minds more every day yeah. to what is just I mean just looking up even yeah yeah, I was going to ask yeah. our sunsets and sunrises kind of ruined for you now. I mean, now that you no, still, no. you still get, you still get. Not at all. In <laughs> fact, I love it. I, I love it even more, I think, because I'll, I'll look for kind of, and that's why I try to tell people, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'll be sitting next to somebody on an airplane and there's some really beautiful sunsets yeah. and sunrises, yeah. you know, that you just through the window of an airplane yes. that are so reminiscent to me of the way uh -huh. the yeah. sun rises and sets, you know, through the window of your spaceship and i think 
I don't know. There's just like this desensitizing that happens, right? Oh, the sun's yeah. rising or setting. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. But true. man, you know, I live, I'm really fortunate to live on the water here in Florida on the West coast where we get fantastic, sunset. you know, sunsets. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think there's a day goes by where if I'm here, I'm not out on the dock looking down the canal to, yeah. to see yeah. it. Or if we're fortunate enough to be out on the beach, I mean, it, it's really cool to see how many people, Come like out. they're making the trek from wherever they are, staying on the beach and or living and coming out to the sand to, to yeah. watch that happen every night. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, I mean, there's no better way to me uh, yeah. you know, on the planet than to think about, oh my gosh, I live on a planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a planet. <laughs> um, have you ever said the words out your spaceship window? Like, no, no, I, I, I would love to. But... <laughs> If you think about it, you were in space like 20 years before Captain Kirk was in space. So, I know. I know. I so know. You, you definitely got. <laughs> yeah. And got I'm very thankful to him for the way he shared yeah. his experience too. Yeah. He yeah. did a great job of playing yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And I don't think it was, I mean, he's a good actor. I don't think he's that good of an actor. Right. I think I he was conveying, like honestly conveying his what he was feeling with he couldn't not do it right did you watch that i mean he got out of that everybody's like popping champagne bottles and doing all this, and he's like jeff you've got to talk to me i cannot not hold this in i mean he right, was yeah. just yeah and i think it was honest emotion and um reflection on what just you know just had he just experienced and so yeah. i don't think it was uh scripted at all yeah, it just overwhelmed him <laughs> yeah. So you've yeah. spent over a hundred days in the International Space Station. So take us through what like a, a day in the space station's like. Yeah, yeah. Well, every day is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, which is nice. It's really busy. Um, I mean, we're we've the ground, our control center, mission control has us scheduled from you know, post-breakfast to before dinner, kind of just sometimes on like five minute increments of here's what all of you in parallel are, are working together are going to be doing wow. today. And um, so, you know, there's a little bit of a, oh my gosh, am I keeping up? Am I keeping up kind of thing? But then you get, you get into a groove with it and you understand where the flexibility can be in it all. And, um, but it's always a mix. Like it's a mix of the science, which is our primary mission there, right? We've got, you know, hundreds of different research investigations going on every day that we're either, you know, totally actively involved with, or we're kind of pushing a button on, or we're communicating about in some way or another. And then there's the maintenance of the space station. We have, we're the ones taking care of, you know, fixing the toilet or mm-hmm. fixing a solar array or whatever it might be. We're doing that work. Yeah. Um, there is a good bit of outreach activities, like, um, whether it's with a news station or a school or you know, like you guys, you actually can reach out to the NASA public affairs people to see if you can get kind of into a, you know, you get like two minutes or something, but it's kind of cool, you know, yeah, if, they, awesome. if they, and I think they're trying to do a better job of distributing that to not just the, the ABC news station that's always, you know, doing yeah. it, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then every now and then you get the the spacewalk or the fly the robotic arm or a visiting vehicle, you know, a crew, a cargo vehicle or another crew vehicle coming that, you know, those are pretty major events um, yeah. that are happening. But every day it's a mix. It's really jack of all trades kind of stuff. And it's what oh. I loved. Yeah. Yeah. 
On the science side, do you do the same job every day or all of you can do everybody's job? Have you been all trained at all the parts of it or do you stay on your, like, do you get to yeah. do it or are you kind of doing your thing every you day? Know, there's a mix of that too. <laughs> There'll be um, particular experiments that somebody has been trained to do. Okay. And it's for some short duration period of time, they're going to start it. They're going to finish it on behalf of the investigator down on the ground. Um, there's other things where, um, where the, the scientists want multiple people involved because they're studying us, right? Yeah. And the effects of us in that, in that place. And so they want as many of us to participate as possible. So it's kind of a, you know, a varying range. We do try to have backups for everything. Like, you know, um, say you get up to space and there was one, one experiment that I remember I was the primary person on it. And then with all of the ground training, you didn't really realize that you might need somebody else to help you with some of the things that, you know, that didn't necessarily work exactly how they were supposed to on the ground. Yeah. So it was really nice to have somebody as a backup to be able to come in. They at least know the experiment and they're like, oh, that's not supposed to work that way. Okay. I'll help you with this. Yeah. And, um, but in general, um, for the science and also for the station maintenance kind of things we're all trained on the same basic skills, how mm -hmm. to use the different tools, the, you know, the way the procedures are going to be written, the, how you communicate with the ground about things, mm -hmm. what's going to tell you if something's going wrong, you know, the kind of alarms or warnings that are happening with stuff. And so for the most part, you could pull somebody else and say, Hey, I need your help with this. Yeah. Or, Hey, I just feel like, you know, do do today could you yeah. you know could you do this one little task for me I you know I just need to go chill for a minute whatever it is mm -hmm. and um yeah it's great and it's so cool I mean I'm really looking forward to the day when we can fly the medical doctor mm -hmm. and the electrician and plumber and the you know the scientists themselves the hairdresser, right, the hairdresser. <laughs> oh my gosh I should you should find some pictures to do. I'll send you some pictures of doing hair in space. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. There's never really a good hair day in space. Yeah, I bet not. <laughs> that whole that whole non-gravity thing's a problem. Yeah. It's but you know, it's one of the best ways to show that you're in this this place, right? To have your hair just yeah. like up around <laughs> you or um, you know, I wore a ponytail most of the time because my hair was long when I when I flew too. And there's a lot of Velcro and pumps and fans and things that you just really don't want to get your hair stuck You're in. Stuck, yeah. But even with a ponytail, it's like this floaty ponytail behind you. It's, <laughs> it's so neat. And there's some really great pictures of, of folks with long hair. Marsha Ivins, her, she flew shuttle, I don't know, five times, I think. And she's got, she had really super long hair and she's got these really great pictures where she's inside the cockpit of the space shuttle uh -huh. and it's just like her and she's tiny. So here's her and her little shoulders and head. And then the hair is just all around <laughs> her, like filling up the entire, you know, the entire um, so cockpit there. Yeah. But, but yeah. we all learn a little bit. My sister's a hairdresser too. Oh, um, really? That's okay. a great little shop here in Florida. She's amazing. <laughs> you can tell I haven't visited to her recently <laughs> but um yeah don't judge her by me and um uh, but she taught me a little bit of how to use the clippers because we use um either scissors like I would pull my hair up in a ponytail and just yeah. say okay cut an inch off you know yeah. yeah and but my crewmates all were getting the you know the, oh yeah how did they the cut hair thing. 
The, the, the Clippers have a hose yeah. with a vacuum attached to yeah, the yeah. end of it, so you can suck up all. You don't want those little hairs floating no. around in there. Oh my gosh, what yeah. a nightmare! Yeah. <laughs> Another one of those human things, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, did you cut hair? Did you cut their hair, or they cut their own hair? We we all did both. You know, I okay. I cut theirs, they cut mine. We <laughs> one of my one of my crewmates, Jeff Williams, was already pretty without hair <laughs> I don't call him bald I can't remember I, I don't I yeah I don't think he shaved his head I think his hair was just not there yeah. but he had like these one or two hairs that yes, would grow yes. so we would joke about we're cutting Jeff's hair today so what are meal times like and what's the food like yeah and how do you keep it on your plate yeah well you don't have a plate so um but the meal times are awesome I mean it, they were one of my favorite times on throughout the whole missions because as as a crew we made a point of and this was for both of my flights we made a point of eating all of our meals together yeah. as much as we could I mean there were times where somebody you know had a you know a task that pulled them away and they couldn't do it or lunchtime was kind of hard sometimes for everybody to be able to get together yeah. but we really purposely tried and it wasn't like if you don't come to lunch with all of us, you're, you know, the bad guy. I mean, it was just, it felt right for us all to, to be doing that. It was so nice. And um, of course you're floating all around the dinner table. You know, there's not, you're not sitting at a, at a table <laughs> and there's no plates because yeah. it's, I mean, it might be sticky to stick to a plate, but it's not like, you don't want all of it floating yeah. around everywhere. Right. I mean, we would do silly astronaut tricks and float food and fly it and suck gummy bears out of floating water and stuff like that but um you know for the most part you've got a long handled spoon and you're digging your food out of a a bag yeah. and um that was dehydrated it, yeah most of it is dehydrated and um that we have either hot or cold water you can add to it depending on what you need a lot of it is like the military rations where it's just ready to eat but you can we have a little food warmer that you could warm stuff up in. Um, don't have a lot of refrigeration up there for food. Um, don't have a lot of storage for fresh food. Mm -hmm. So um, fresh food, like an orange or an apple, or, you know, even a clove of garlic, you know, they'd yeah. send us these things sometimes in the cargo vehicles and the fresh food was real. I mean, just the smell of it, the, you yeah. know, the taste of it was so delicious. And then yeah, I remember the first time we got this, this, thing of garlic and I'm like what in the are we just supposed to eat that you know but we did it we took it out um uh, you know undid it and then got a piece of foil and then stuck it in the food warmer all day yeah. <laughs> and oh, ended yeah. up with this nice soft garlic to spread yeah. on our tortilla and oh nice um and the food tastes good I mean there's a nice variety yeah um it's a mix of food from all the different countries you know we have five international uh, space agency partners that represent 15 different countries working on the station and so there's food in one way or another from all of those partners and so there's a nice mix nice variety you find the stuff you like yeah you know, sometimes you eat the stuff you don't like because you don't want to <laughs> waste it right but um really really good I mean and the meal time was was you know, yeah. very special experience yeah when um, you got back to earth was there like some place you had to eat well when I got back before they asked you like what would you you know what would you like to have when you get back now I'll caveat that with the fact that on my first mission when I got back it was the day after Thanksgiving so 
my family came over, they had, you know, my mom's green beans, you know, that everyone loves. And then the whole, you know, the whole smorgasbord of uh, um, turkey dinner and all of that kind of stuff. Although as a vegetarian now, I might not have. Yeah. But but it was really good. But I wanted, I wanted a um, slice of really good, like New York style pizza. Mm, Yeah. And yeah, because the, with all the foods we have and the variety, there's not a lot of mix of textures. Okay. So to have something like a crispy crust and the melty cheese and the warm sauce all like in one thing. Oh my gosh, that sounded so good. <laughs> it sounds good, right? And yeah. yeah. And then I don't, I mean, I don't drink a lot of soda, yeah. but if I do, it's going to be a real Coca-Cola. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I use that, those two words, the Coca-Cola, because it's not Pepsi. It's not, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I wanted a, a real Coke with that squishy crushed ice yeah um, you know in just the right cup um with my slice of pizza and they had it for me it was awesome oh that's so cool that's so cool so while you're up in space weren't you the first person to ever paint in space um I don't I don't want to say first person to paint in space I think I I think for sure I'm the first person to paint with watercolors in space But um, there was a gentleman, Richard Garriott, who flew as a spaceflight participant, as a um, as as a tourist on the the station, and yeah. he brought up this. He was really cool. His mom, his dad, actually was an Apollo astronaut, and his mom is an artist. And he brought up this like plastic box and this paper that he stuck to all the walls of the plastic box, and then he just squirted acrylic paints. Yeah. into the box and let it hit however it was going to hit, okay. you know, which I think is so cool. I mean, to yeah. me, he doesn't call it painting. I'm like, but dude, you painted, you didn't just paint in space. You painted with space, you know, yeah. you let the environment, you yeah. know, do its thing. Very Jackson Pollock. Yeah. And so I consider that the first painting in space. There might've been others that haven't come to light, but I think yeah. that's yeah. that. Um, I did paint with watercolors, which was fun, you know, floating balls of water and so you dip in your brush into that yeah do you just push the bubble do you just push the water into the canvas how do you how do you make that happen yeah it was kind of weird it it took a little took a little getting used to and I wish there's a number of reasons why I wish I would have activated my brain cell during that whole process of painting one would have been if I could do it over again I would videotape the whole thing because I think it was such would have been such a cool way just to show what it's like to live in space, how everything yeah. floats and how things behave differently and that you got to keep track of your stuff. And even though it's different, it might not be more difficult. It's just different because of the environment you're in. Um, very thankful to my crewmate, Bob Thirsk, who took the one picture I have <laughs> painting in space. Yeah, But you do, I mean, everything about it is different. So instead of dipping your brush into a cup of water, you're squirting out a little ball of water to dip your brush into. Huh. And it was so weird because the, the ball of water is floating. I remember watching it like, oh, this is odd. You know, the ball of water is yeah. floating there. And then I'm taking the brush, you know, to dip it into the ball of water. And you're trying to be real careful because you don't want to make a mess everywhere too. And it was the weirdest thing. I'm, I'm watching this as I take the, the brush over there. And before, like, like, right, like right before the brush even touched the ball of water, it's like the ball of water wanted to move onto the end oh. of the brush. Yeah. And I, I remember looking at that. Now I'm watching this 
ball of water floating around the end of the bristles, right? And thinking, okay, now I got to be careful with this because if I just move it, it's just going to fly off. So yeah. really carefully take it down to the paint. And right before it got to the paint, it like the water moved to the paint. And now I mushed it around and could pull this like morphing ball of colored water back onto the brush. And, wow. um, but to your question, if I touched the brush to the paper, the whole blob of colored water would just transfer at one time. Okay, yeah. You know, okay. so it got, and I wish I would have, the other you know thing I wish I would have done is kept those practice sheets, right? Kept all of those. I just trashed them. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I haven't my painting right yet, you know, and, and got to the point where I figured out how, just like what the right distance was and how to drag uh, without touching the brush to the paper, how to drag the colored water oh, um, God. along yeah. the paper to make it. Wow. But not actually touching the paper. Without actually touching oh, the paper wow. with, and yeah. almost, almost not even touching the paper with the ball of water. Cause it wanted to do that same thing. It all wanted yeah. to move over at the same time. So there was like this distance of, Oh, it's kind of touching. Now I can drag it. Wow. <laughs> really cool. Really so you've cool. invented a whole new technique of painting there. <laughs> I think <laughs> so. And, yeah. but, but we'll never know that now, will we? Because <laughs> I did not document it properly. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, that's incredible. That's great. Um, so the slogan y'all use is from earth, from earth for earth. So what does that mean to y'all as y'all go up and, it, yeah, I think this whole, this whole idea of being, you know, off the earth, for the earth, it, I think it speaks so beautifully to why we do all of this space mm. exploration stuff, whether it's with humans or not, right? Is that ultimately, ultimately, it is all about improving life on earth. So mm. everything that we're doing off the earth is for the earth, the science, um, the way we've built the space station, you know, to mimic as best we can what Earth does for us naturally. I mean, it is the best example of living off the grid that you can find. And all of that technology that we're using to do that, to generate our electricity, to have clean drinking water, to make sure our air is clean, all of that is being brought back to Earth to employ in some way too, right down here on, on, the, on our planetary spaceship, right? Yeah. And... Um, and I think that's that's what it's all about. In addition to this this just extraordinary way that we can learn more about who and where we are in space mm -hmm. together, and the value of that, which I think is huge. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, just this acknowledgement of oh, I live on a planet in yeah. space. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I mean, we don't. I, I didn't tend to think about that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Every day I wake up now, my feet hit the floor, and I'm like, oh, I'm standing on a planet. <laughs> that is cool. we're on a planet in space we're spinning yeah. i'm spinning right now at a thousand miles an hour and we don't even it's it, just it, it, where we're so supposed you said to that be. didn't even think about it didn't even think yeah. about it yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. oh my gosh and and it's why i love it when kids ask oh i want to go to space someday i'd love to be you know in space i'm like dude you're in space right now yeah, you're in space you, know, you yeah. learned it in kindergarten we tend to forget about it. i'm like we are on a planet in space yeah. Yeah, that's perfect a, distance from the sun to, yeah. you know, make this spaceship work for us. And yeah, yeah it's so cool. So I, yeah. yeah, I just wanted, what was your son's reaction when you like yeah. the first time you came down and he knew you'd been in space? What was his reaction like? You know, I don't, I don't think his reaction um, 
was really had much to do with me having been in space, right? Maybe that maybe he reflected on that a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but I think it was, oh, here's mom. You know, she's back from this three month trip. And, and I think it was really useful to, to involve him, you know, from as, I mean, from the time he was born, he was going along with his mom training to go to space. Right. And, um, and we tried, my husband and I, who was awesome through all of this, like we tried as best we could to introduce him to all of what was going on with that, meet the people, come out to the training, you know, so he felt like he was part of the crew. And so I think the time and space was a little less daunting, maybe, or, yeah. um, or worrisome for him because he, he had a grip, I think, on what was going on. I was able to talk to him every day, you know, yeah. I was able to have a video conference once a week. And, and that was funny because I was all like, okay, I get to see them and talk to them. And, you know, he's seven, he wants to be riding the big wheel out, yeah. you know, hey mom, how you doing? I'm going to go ride the big wheel, you know, yeah. and I'm out, you know, and it's like, dude, I want to talk to you. And um, so I think it was more just, you know, my mom is home than, yeah. oh, my mom just got home from space. Right. Yeah. From space. And and we did, you know, I did video conferences with his yeah. school while I was up there and was able to talk to him on a regular basis. So I think there was the, the communication was good throughout it all. There just wasn't that physical yeah. thing. Yeah. When you got back, yeah. you like the hottest item at career day at his school. I mean, did you get to go do that? <laughs> I, would be I like, did. My mom is. I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I scored bonus points because of that kind of stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> all in the class from from space hey yeah, you know, float yeah. around gummy bears and you know doing the goofy astronaut stuff oh, that's and um and it was great yeah I, mean, I really loved that there was that we could do that you know yeah, that we can absolutely. like it's kind of like us doing cool. this right now except right. i was in space i mean it really the fact that we can communicate this way yeah to anyone anywhere is is really special and um, and we got space to thank for that right so right. Yeah. yeah nicole what is your message for like how can be re- we be responsible crew members here on spaceship earth you know i think the first step is um is acknowledging who and where we are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that we are all together, you know, in space on a planet. Yeah. On a planet that's our spaceship. Um, and that we have to, you know, like th- that we're all earthlings. Mm-hmm. You know, only border that matters is that thin blue line of atmosphere. And, um, you know, this whole idea of us building these spaceships, which I'm thankful to you guys for reading the book because um, I, I can sense you get it, right? And this idea that, oh my gosh, we do build them to mimic what Earth does for us naturally. We wake yeah. up every morning, every yeah. morning. Yeah. And it's like, okay, who's doing the carbon dioxide check? Who's doing the, you know, how much clean drinking water we have? You know, is our our spaceship good and, you know, checking on in on everyone, the health and well-being of all of our crewmates. Yeah. And it is such a wonderful parallel to what we need to be doing down here on Spaceship Earth. And yes, orders of magnitude with 8 billion versus seven people on a space station, but it that that should not stop us, right? Yeah. And I think if we wake up that way every morning, like, oh, I just put my feet on a planet. All right, this yeah. is my spaceship. What am I going to do today that helps me acknowledge or understand my impact on the amount of carbon dioxide that's in my atmosphere or the clean drinking water that I have or the integrity of that 
you know, thin blue line. And I really, really do believe that by behaving like crewmates, not passengers, yeah. we have the power to create a future for all life on earth that's as beautiful as it looks from space. Yeah. I love that picture. I love the thought of thinking like, you know, they, I can't have a personal responsibility. It's not yeah. big as I, in my mind, I can make it seem like a bigger task than it is, but it really is like individual yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Nicole, this has been so much so fun. Incredible. So yeah. Really enjoyed it. Love the art behind you, you too. Oh, thank, oh, you. thank yeah. you. It doesn't really compare to your art. <laughs> no, it's all relative. It is all. I love it when I get onto something like this and I see art. It's good. Yeah. It's good. We, Using our whole brains, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. Yes. We appreciate you taking time yeah. to talk to us and share your stories with us. I'm sure you are, I mean, you're just incredible. Like you have uh, really cool stuff. And so we thank you for taking well, I hope it helps. I hope yeah, it helps. Yeah, it's been yeah. so yeah. fascinating. All right. Very you. nice to meet you guys. Yes, you thank too. you so much. All right. Thanks. Thank All right. Care. Well, that was incredibly awesome. It was. <laughs> right? I know. So, I still can't believe that happened. I know. So what like what are your takeaways? Well, my biggest surprise of the whole thing is when I mentioned the food, I imagine the food being really bad. Yeah. Like you just you just ate because you had to, there was no taste and you just like, I can see everybody working at their position yeah, and just sucking down whatever's in this bag and just keeping just it. Just happened to do it. Yeah. It was, I was surprised that it was like mealtime meal and the food had taste and it tasted pretty good. So we're getting really close to the Jetsons <laughs> where you just push the button and the complete meal comes out. Right. So we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Cause I think when I was a kid, it was like Tang and all that. You knew that came from right, space. So, yeah. And that's not the yeah. greatest thing in the world. But I was surprised that the food was good. Yeah, interesting. How about you? Um, I don't want to go into too much detail here, but she said fix a toilet. Yeah, I thought about that. I was okay. like, yeah, you don't really have a plumber in space. Well, I didn't even think about there being a toilet in space. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're going to build this. I know. I didn't think it through. Don't don't look at me like that. Yeah. But I'm just thinking you're going to build a spaceship. Like the things that you think. When you need to build a spaceship and the things that she added to that were toilet a heating a little place to heat food like place to store food i don't know that like i'm just thinking like i got to get this thing off the ground and there needs to be like i would be all more yeah about but it they took the space shuttle to the space station so yeah. she's talking about space oh, station at the space one they i don't know that'd been a good question to know if they had a toilet in toilet the on the shuttle See? it's right. it's like yeah questionable right <laughs> okay so that and then also i like um, I didn't really think that you communicated with your family daily. Like she got to call and to me, that's like once a month, it's time we get to have a chat. No, like it was daily communication. So yeah. I literally, and it was know. so funny that the kids like, okay, gotta go. Like, he didn't. <laughs> well, classic but I think that it was cool how they made it like mom's just off at work. Yeah. So he wasn't like having any anxiety of what she's doing. Oh, she's just at work and she's going to call me in the afternoon. Right. So it was cool how they did it as a family. Yeah. And made it a part of the life yeah, of their life true. so yeah well i think she made something clear it's not too late for any of us to be an astronaut that's so right. if you have hopes and dreams of doing that you better get on that <laughs> you've got two-year training program ahead of you and we hope you enjoyed this interview with nicole stott share this with any of your friends and family who might even have little kids that want to be astronauts when they grow up we know it's a big thing party party five and a half over and out we'll see you next time